The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Thursday, October 20th, 2016. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca, and I'm in Las Vegas. Did I say that during last night's rapid response? I was. You could have tell from context clues. Although when you hear this, I might be flying over who knows Wichita. You know, I was thinking about the debate which I attended last night, and I do believe that Donald Trump has robbed us. Now, a lot of people say that. He's robbed us of decency, or if you're a Republican, he robbed you of a viable candidate. But what I'm saying he's robbed us of is a decent argument. Good arguments eventually, I've got to believe, lead to better policies. And arguments that are had over nonsense, or on flimsy ground, or on lies, or on misimpressions, don't lead to good policies. Let me give you a tangible example of what I need. In the last debate, the debate before that, and the debate before that, Trump did a variation on this theme. Just go to her website. She tells you how to fight ISIS on her website. I don't think General Douglas MacArthur would like that too much. All I say is this. General George Patton, General Douglas MacArthur are spinning in their grave at the stupidity of what we're doing in the Middle East. The element of surprise. Douglas MacArthur, George Patton spinning in their graves when they see the stupidity of our country. Now, just tactically, let me point out the median age of Americans are 37. MacArthur died in 1964. Patton died in 1945, meaning these guys were dead 15 and 34 years respectively before most Americans were born. So what I'm saying is these names might not resonate. They resonate with the old cranky white Republican voters who are already going to vote for Trump. But what about the argument? I understand what he's saying. Don't give away your tactics. Don't give away your strategy before you engage in the strategy. And that's the sort of argument that makes common sense to most people. But Hillary doesn't even touch that argument. And I don't even fault her for it. Because the argument against that argument, it's maybe not so stupid on its face, is that, look, Donald, in a situation like Mosul, the element of surprise is far, far further down the list than everything you have to do to make sure this operation goes right. You have to get the Kurds involved. You have to get the Shiites involved. You have to get the Sunni insurgents involved. You've got to make sure all three of these don't mix. You have to clearly delineate where each of these constituencies can go. You have to work out who's going to be the invading force, who's going to be the siege force. And by the way, she could also point out that this shows why diplomacy and military might aren't at odds like you often portray. This is using diplomacy in the service to an effective military operation. No one doubts that we're going to eventually beat and overwhelm ISIS in Mosul. It's doing it right, which has nothing to do with surprise. And in fact, if we rely too heavily on the element of surprise, we might not have the proper planning in place beforehand. So no one doubts we're going to take Mosul. It's about doing it right and has nothing to do with your criticism. Okay, it's a decent argument to make. Here's the reason I don't falter. Because when your opponent throws at you, I might put you in jail, I might steal this election, and oh yeah, this thing about these old generals spinning in their grave, you're not going to touch the third one. You know that it's going to resonate more with people that you say, I can't believe you don't trust this election, and point out how dangerous it is. So I think that Americans might say on this issue something like, Trump has a point, or why do we announce these military initiatives beforehand? Or it's something like partial birth abortion, where he's talking about she favors aborting the fetus two days before birth, nine months into pregnancy. 
you know, Hillary Clinton didn't even touch the specifics of that because she talked more about her defense of a woman's right to choose. But it's a ridiculous statement. And if Donald Trump didn't make what is the worst argument on that, this argument should be had on what about an abortion at 21 through 23 weeks. But because Donald Trump was talking about two days before a baby is born, you don't get the best version of that debate. And I think ultimately you don't get the best policy. I'm not saying Donald Trump is losing, but not on his merits. I'm not putting forth an argument that he's not losing the right way. His merits or his demerits are so apart from his policies that you don't even have to get to the policy. And that's a shame because I want good policy. Oh, well, I guess there's always the West Virginia governor's race for that. On the show, speaking of presidents, Elliot Kalin, former Daily Show head writer, is here because he has a podcast that he refuses to call a podcast about presidents in history and sometimes their bathroom habits. So the other day, I bought a, a wall hanging, I guess you would call it, a tapestry, though it's laminated, of all the presidents of the United States for my son. Uh, a couple things to disclose. The stated price of this was nineteen ninety nine. Uh, it was sold to me for $3 on the street. It was made in China, and Martin Van Buren's name is spelled wrong. But other than that, it seems very accurate. And it, it just strikes you that when you look at a whole line of presidents, like every president from Van Buren, and I'm going to start there because I think he was like a legitimate president who we should all know, all the way to Lincoln, it's just like, yeah, a bunch of schmucks. And so whenever we talk or whenever George W. Bush used to talk about how history will remember us, I mean, we did remember nine presidents in a row as, yeah, a bunch of schmucks. Well, to that end, I'm inviting on this show, Elliot Kalin, who is the uh, head writer of Mystery Science Theater 3000. He used to be the head writer of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. But more to the point, he is the host of this I guess it's a podcast. I'm going to ask you to define what you guys call it. He does it with Audible, and it's called Presidents Are People Too. He and his co-host, actual historian, uh, take a president and just humanize him, but also sometimes denigrate him. Hello, Elliot. Thanks for coming on. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Did the idea start with, let's talk about Millard Fillmore, or did it start with, let's talk about the presidents, and then you eventually knew you'd have to get to Millard Fillmore? Actually, it's weird. He's the one president people ask us about the most because his name is so memorable, but nobody – nothing else about him is particularly amazing or exciting. Although Pretty actually, bad. that's not true. There's some interesting things about him. But uh, the – He was a president. He was a president for yeah. one thing. But the way he got into office and what he did – we don't have time to go into all that. But like – my co-host, Alexis Coe. I, I know you're holding that one for sweeps. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> people keep asking about him. This was, is ratings this gold. This is clamoring for Fillmore. For audio series People sweeps. think they're clever when they say William Henry Harrison, but they really want the Fillmore. Yeah. Because yeah. William Henry Harrison, they know one thing about. Mm -hmm. Millard Fillmore, they know zero things yeah. about. Uh, my co-host, Alexis Coe, she came to me and said – and we talked about presidents a lot. And the exciting thing about it was that you can't really learn about one president without learning about at least three to four other presidents because they all exist in this continuum and their lives yeah. all intersect. It's like the Amazon people who are interested in Van Buren are also interested in Andrew Jackson. Andrew and that's... Jackson were interested in William Henry Harrison. Sure. It's like they're all part of this long continuum and one guy's presidency makes much more sense when you think about him as a reaction to this other guy. This person, you're like, how did they get into office? It makes more sense when you think about who came even two or three presidents before and the minute they leave office – two-thirds to sometimes all of the – how they're going to be judged 
hasn't been decided yet because you don't know how the things they're going to do. We were just recording an episode about Calvin Coolidge this morning. And when he left office, people were like, what a president. Yeah. This boom time of the 20s. And we have radios and airplanes yeah. now. And he was so smart not to touch the economy. Yeah. That's the way to go. And then literally two years later, ugh. What did Coolidge do to but, us? But all oh, these Republicans, uh, especially during the first Bush administration, George H.W. Bush cited him as a model president yeah, because well, he was so laissez-faire and hands-off. But that's still a terrible model. Yeah, Reagan was the guy who really loved Coolidge. And or he loved like, to say he loved Coolidge. Yeah, he didn't want to be Unlike Van Buren and Lincoln, him. I could not see those two getting along well. <laughs> no, probably because Reagan would be trying to glad-hand Coolidge, mm-hmm. and Coolidge was a very cold man. Yeah. and Is that famous Coolidge anecdote true? Which one? There's the, a ton. Of, the as, bat, as far as I'm concerned, there's the, tons of famous ones. Well, right. You're just you're steeped in Coolidge nailed ya, yeah. to be clear. But the woman who said I have a bet with my friend that I couldn't get you to say three words. And he says, You lose. Yeah. yeah. I it's I think it's probably true as a non professional historian. They yeah. have the name of the names of the people who are supposedly involved. They have the event. And he did have a very like subtle, nasty sense of humor that he would unleash on people. There's a story about that we unfortunately didn't get to put in the episode about when before he was president, his wife bought for $8, the ungodly sum of $8, because I guess it was the 1920s. Yeah. Or maybe it was the 19-teens. He was president in the 1920s. She bought a book of home remedies, and he wrote just so that she would find one day inside of it, <laughs> still no cure for suckers. And then he signed it, Calvin Coolidge. And it was like- That I like. It's like a nasty note to leave for your wife just to find someday. Oh. Uh and he gets held up now as like, that's the guy who knew how to run a government. Right. And all you have to do is pretend that Herbert Hoover then came in and ha- somehow screwed everything up in a year, you know, or mm-hmm. less than a year. Okay. A couple insights that I have from listening to your podcast. Also, interviewing historians of terrible or obscure presidents. One is that I think we perhaps forget just how terrible the times were for much of American history. Things were miserable. Uh, We're so much happier. We have it so much better now. There was just so much death in the country. And every I think that uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin noted in one of her Lincoln books that every member of Lincoln's cabinet had a child who died. So what I'm saying is, America is a bummer, and your audio series embraces that by doing things like talking about the horrible uh, bathroom and testicular state of James K. Polk. Well, yeah, well, because that says a lot about James K. Polk. Yeah, that, that says a lot about James K. Polk that he had. Oh, well, yeah, he had his basically had his crotch ripped open so they could remove a, a gallstone or something. But when he was a young man, ruined his life. But I would take issue with the idea that America is a bummer. I would say that. <laughs> Life has a lot of bummery things in it, uh-huh. but America – I mean it's exciting when you look back at how bad things were, which they often were, is that there was no golden era in US history. Like the golden era is always, with the United States at least, the one we're in. And there's very few times that I can think looking back – and I'm going to get I'm get real for a moment. As a young man who is Jewish, tiny, like not physically fit or strong and has a young family – like I live in a country where I can say basically whatever I think. I can make a living writing jokes that in other countries would get me thrown in jail. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And there are and while there are huge problems and there are so many people who do not have as good a situation as I do, we are almost always on a path towards making it more that way. Yeah. Whereas at almost any other point in human history and also earlier points in American history. I can think of things in my own life 
that would not be possible and would not as a and this is me as a straight white man there are times in american history when i wouldn't be able to take part in the mainstream but like yeah. it's and it's not just right it's not just that america allows you to do this america actually rewards you because you're essentially a professional wise ass and satirist and political commentator very like much america's so. freedoms have made you you know, whatever version of wealthy you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I'm doing okay, but yeah. it's not, I wish I had more, but yeah. <laughs> that's because that's part of being America too, American also. But like the definition of who's an American and who gets to take part of that is always expanding, which is wonderful. So when you look back, it's very, you wish it could have been that way the entirety, but like you also re start realizing, oh, these people were president during a very specific time mm -hmm. and the very specific things were going on. No, nothing happens in a vacuum. And it's easy to forget that now because it always feels like we're on the last day of history. But hopefully 100 years from now, they'll be having another election. And unless President Clinton, the, the sequel, does something amazing or horrifying, it'll just kind of fall into that mist of forgetfulness. And like Trump, for instance, who now seems like the end of the world, will be like – he'll be essentially what Dewey is to people now, which is – a headline joke in a photograph that they might yeah. have seen. When yeah. I, my people don't even. I mean, he'll be a really interesting episode of Whistle Stop, which is essentially <laughs> yeah. John Dickerson's podcast about the guys who don't get to be on your podcast. Yeah, the failed president. But yeah, he was a guy who Dewey was. Had, Dewey had yeah, been Dewey like, was Dewey governor had, of New York. He was right? governor of New York. He had yes. been a, attorney general of New York and, and made his name in that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But like my grandmother once, she said to me when when Bush the sequel was still president, she said. Oh, I've never hated a politician more in my lifetime except Thomas Dewey. He would have said anything to get elected. And I was like, I've got to learn about Thomas Dewey because all I know is he lost to Truman and that one newspaper got it wrong. That's yeah. all I know about him. And I, ha and I learned about him. And it was like, oh, there was a time when people loved this man so much, that a certain group of people, that they wanted him to run the country. And the day after he lost the election, it was like – Sorry, that's it. You're a footnote to history. Glad that photograph got taken of that newspaper because that's why you're going to be remembered forever. And it's not like he he didn't like vanish. It's not like Truman like beat him in double dragon and he fell down and his body di disappeared. <laughs> like he he continued his life for a little bit. It's just but nobody remembers him now. So it's going to we live in this continuum where where America gets better and better and as a result we feel it's okay to forget stuff. Maybe one day, I don't know if this will happen in our lives, but there will be a presidential election where people don't claim and the majority of listeners don't believe that this is the most important election of our lifetime. Because mm -hmm. that has been claimed since I've been paying attention to elections and it can't always have been true. No, there are a lot of elections that turn out to be not super. Well, there's always have the potential to be the most important election. Sure. But we don't know that until it happens and the person is president. Like for instance, with... Maybe like the 1860 election and the 1932 elections were like the two elections where America was already in such a place that they knew this was going to be important, whoever got it. But I'm sure like – No, I don't, you know, I don't even know 1932. It wasn't clear that we'd be drawn into – the Great War. No, but with the, things but, were bad with the with the depression was. But going things on. were bad with the depression. But you know what's to say if it weren't for a war and if it weren't for FDR that things couldn't have just played out until 1936. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. But they, I'll give you. I'll give you the Lincoln one. I'll give there you 1860. And that was literally things were coming war. to a head. Buchanan fucked it up so bad. He's such a, <laughs> he's such a jackass. Yeah. And like the only thing I like about him is that he was possibly gay. And in that but case, he wasn't possibly. He wa well. Live, give me, you... it's the one thing I have sympathy with <laughs> oh, yeah, him about. That... It's like, okay, well, then he can't live his life the way he feels. They're he all needs possibly to. gay. 
Not I mean, all of them. Well, Joshua Speed, I mean, Abraham Lincoln's bedmate. Oh, come on. I That's know, the, that right. was literally – people say like Abraham Lincoln slept in the same bed as men. It's like at that point in American history, there literally were not enough beds mm-hmm. in the country for people. They hadn't worked out that math you yet. Couldn't go yeah. to the, you couldn't go to the mattress store and like pick. They yeah. had to make it for you at the time and nobody had the money or the time to do that. <laughs> do you think that the people we chose to be president is a list of the best and the brightest? Um, so many of these people seem failed, yet the job seems hard. But the other thing that I would point to is, you know, the population of America in 1845 was, I think, 19 million people and the vote, you know, how many people voted. One of the bad things about those times is that America was not a full democracy. Uh, and you look at, I mean, you just look at the li- the people who were present for so much of the time and most of them are mediocre to bad. That's one of the things that's made me feel better about not always loving the choices I get as a voter now is it's like, oh, well, you don't get that many great presidents or even that many like really good presidents. Yeah. Like you're lucky if you get a good run and between – yeah, I guess between like Van Buren and Lincoln, there's just like – I get Polk was like a strong president but not a great guy. But like there's – that you just have these people who are like the party chose this guy. Oh, this person died, so you're president now. Yeah. This is someone who has the right connections, and they're very rarely the best and the brightest. When I was growing up, I really did not like the idea of the great man school of history, mm-hmm. which is that there are just these great people. But then again, you weren't growing up when Hamilton was a musical, so exactly. Yeah. So like that's I didn't yet have there, no. Who was talking to me that's when right. I was a young schoolhouse person. rock? Maybe. Uh, yeah, they're barely. But yeah. uh, you look at the, in the history of this country, it's like. People don't like things to change very much. They like changes that help them, but they're scared of changes, even if it has no effect on them, mm-hmm. that might help somebody else because they don't know how it's going to affect them. And so you have throughout the history of this country, every now and then, we're lucky enough to get like somehow by hook or by crook or by accident, a really great leader comes in and yeah. just kind of like pushes or pulls the country a huge step. Yeah. And then the rest of the time we're making like very small increment changes and then somebody comes along and pushes a huge step. That's right. We had a, we had a bunch of good guys at the beginning, right? But even then like they're all stained <laughs> by the fact that they're like, "Oh yeah, slavery. That's not a good thing, but what are you going to do? We got to keep it going." And it's like that's it's the caveat we have with Washington is it is a truly great figure except for this one horrifying thing <laughs> except for the, like right except for the one thing that if anyone you ever knew or ever met it was true of he would automatically be the worst person be you the, ever knew he, they'd be the evilest person yes. you know right let's think about that and it's greatest but, president major trait about him would make a current person the evilest person you know and it's you have to say that you know in that you can't judge the past by the present and all that stuff blah blah, blah it's etc and we all know that but uh it just shows you that like Nobody is perfect and nobody can do everything and it takes these huge leaps that are never fully finished. Yeah. And then everyone has to kind of like try keep pushing forward a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then somebody comes along and those huge leaps are almost always accompanied by terrible things going on. Like I remember when – Well, to help them define how great they were without a civil war. Well, without or, a civil war even, brewing, the Whig party might still be an ongoing concern and there wouldn't be the circumstance for Lincoln. But that it takes a – that it takes – it's like what does it take to get rid of slavery? It takes the worst war that America had ever had. Right. And what does it take to 
make it so that the government takes care of elderly people so they're not starving to death. It takes the worst economic crisis the country ever had. Like people don't like change, so it takes something really terrible to shake them up. There's it like, oh, there's a thing I've been trying to fit into episodes of Presidents or People 2 that Alexis rightfully keeps telling me to cut, which is <laughs> a section from the novel The Maltese Falcon where Dashiell Hammett is talking about – not Dashiell Hammett. Uh, Sam Spade, the character, but Dan Schramer wrote it, so he's yeah. essentially doing it. He's, we know how these, we know how novels work. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Spade didn't write the book. Is what I'm yeah. saying. He's a rather <laughs> real person. He's saying there's a guy I was hired to find once who went missing, and what happened was he was a married man, had a family, had a job. One day he was walking, and a girder fell off a construction site and almost killed him, and he left. But when I found him, he had a new wife, new family. Same new job, very similar life to his old life. And he says, I think when that guy thought I live in a world where girders fall out of the sky and could kill me, he couldn't live his old way. But as soon as girders stopped falling out of the sky, he realized I'm just I live in the same world and I'm gonna go back into my old habits. And that's America. When girders are falling down on our heads, we're like, we gotta do something. But when things are going okay, we're like, eh, this is fine. Like we don't need let's not think about it. And yeah, it's funny about America. Funny about modern America. Two things that are true of us. We're definitely convinced that we're on the wrong track and we don't want anything to change. Yeah. Great. Great America. And we're often on the right. Well, it's it's just amazing. Like it shows a lack of historical knowledge, I think, in people in general that they're like, we're on the wrong track. America's more divided and worse off than it's ever been before. It's like that's just not true in yeah. any in any way, you mean shape, when or we form. Were caning, ever. When South Carolinian representatives were caning Massachusetts senator, I mean representatives on the floor of Congress, yeah, and breaking their skulls. Yes, open and yes, like, it was a bad caning. <laughs> it was one of the worst. <laughs> was it a good caning? Canings. Yeah, <laughs> but that like just every like every moment of your day is is better than any moment of most people's day a hundred years ago or even like fifty years ago. But you got to look at things in the longer term and not like so long term that it's like a thousand years. Because if you look at it from that long term, everything's so much better. All right. We could go on forever. Elliot Kalin is one of the hosts of something called an audio series. I don't know. You're confusing me with that, Elliot. It's it's going <laughs> to overtake the other word, which I'm not even going to say. Audio yeah. series. It's the, elegant. It's yes, very elegant. It's, it's really. It's You've elevated the conversation. <laughs> elegant Elliot, the name of the series is Presidents Are People Too, and you could find it on Audible. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you so much for having me. And that's it for today's show. Chris Berube, GIST producer, knows that General Lee is spinning in his grave. No, not the Civil War leader, the car from the Dukes of Hazard. The tires still rotate. Mary Wilson, GIST producer, realizes that General Electric is spinning in his grave, but that's okay because it's all thanks to the General Electric Grave Spinner 2000. Steve Lichtai, executive producer of Slate Podcasts, realizes that General Anesthesia is actually resting peacefully in his grave after counting backwards from 100. Andy Bowers, chief content officer of the Panoply Network, notes that General Flynn is spinning from the spin room, which is sort of a grave for the campaign he was working for. The GIST... You spin me right round, baby right round, like a record baby. Median age of Americans, 37. They don't know where the record is. Oomperu, deperu, duperu. Thanks for listening.